0: Hello, and uh, welcome to the 30-Minute CMO Podcast. My name is Gorsh Huchua, and I'm joined once again by my friend and partner, Alex McNamara. Alex, good evening to you.
1: Good evening. Good afternoon, evening. We're a little earlier that to the, on this day. Not a morning session, but an afternoon session.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, and this, I, I mean, we are firmly within the hour when we can be having conversation juice. So what are you having, sir?
1: Uh, I have a, I ran out of beer, so I have a balcony... Uh, no, I know, Balvenie 21. Uh, that was the closest bottle to me when I was scrambling to get the conversation juice.
0: Well, I, I for one actually have beer uh, and it's uh, from San Diego. I bought it at a brewery called Rain and mm. it's uh, it's really good. Actually, the brewery, sorry. The beer, brewery is called Pure Project. The beer is called Rain. It's their pilsner, uh, um, And it's, yeah, I'm really enjoying Very it. cool. But Alex, you and I are not alone today. Uh, we're actually we're joined, we're joined by... Um, a friend and colli- a former colleague of ours. Um, I wanna introduce her um, and bring her into this uh, show, Lindsay Loy. Uh, Lindsay uh, was until recently the growth lead at Dentsu, um, and uh, someone that you and I have uh, worked together with in the past. Uh, and Lindsay, we're really excited to have you on our little show, so thanks, thanks for joining. How are
2: you? Oh my god, I'm so pumped to be here, and then I hope you say friend and colleague. Friend not and colleague. <laughs>
0: friend emphasis yes. on, on the front.
1: And yep. then I
2: have a nice there so we're good. And thanks for Excellent. being a little early, because I know I'm calling in from the uh, East Coast. So. From the East
1: Coast, Yeah.
0: It's uh, it's it's perfect. Uh, we have uh, we have a collection of uh, conversation juices, and we actually have a really meaty and good topic to discuss. That we're really happy that you can join us for because uh, even though uh, this uh, the kind of the idea for this topic started with the Super Bowl and an ad that we saw at the Super Bowl, uh, I think the topic itself is quite timeless um, and one that Alex, you and I have touched on time and again. You and I have always said it'd be great to bring Lindsay into this conversation yes. because. As someone who dealt with pitches um, and clients, um, the, the the topic of the agency-client relationship, from the pre-pitch to pitch to post-pitch, is probably one that is you know a, a point of a lot of conversations, frustrations, and and thoughts on the parts of many agency folks, many brand folks, and so um, let's uh, let's dive into this. <clears throat> maybe you can um kind of set the stage for what it is that brought us together today um i think the ad uh the ad we can reveal was the ad for coinbase uh during the mm. uh, during super bowl but it wasn't so much the ad itself as the um hoopla that followed afterwards so um the, the hoopla the,
1: the the debacle that came after <laughs> it so this was this was great because there was a lot of buzz about the the coinbase ad uh, which leveraged some good old-fashioned nostalgia, uh, which ironically is from a technology that is pretty much obsolete. The DVD um, logo that used to bounce around so that your old plasma screen wouldn't get screen burn uh, as you paused. Um, they had a QR code that was bouncing around the screen until it hit that like pixel-perfect corner that everyone cheers. And you've seen like the videos of people in stadiums waiting for it to happen and the eruption of joy as it does um but it was the we are we are sheep uh again borrowing someone else's ip and making it your own lazy uh we had this with mark last week um but it's not necessarily the ad we want to talk about it's what happened next so the ceo of coinbase brian armstrong yeah calling you out brian um he released a thread of 12 tweets describing how great they were coming up with this uh, with this idea, specifically um, around how they brought in outside agencies to pitch, how the agencies couldn't get it right because they just didn't understand it, how under the, the pressure of time they came up with this brilliant idea and then released it to the world to great fanfare. And then the Martin Agency CEO called them out publicly on twitter being like you didn't do that we pitched this idea to you on this date on this page and then on this date on this on this page and had this like you know not really a back and forth just been like setting the record straight like this is this is what happened mm-hmm. and the, all of adlands were like oh shit and were like yeah good for her good for them because so often, people on client side, like CEOs and the type, they just get on that high horse and go like, "Agencies are terrible, blah blah blah." So setting the stage for for a discussion, um, that's that's really that's really it. So, yeah,
0: L- L- Lindsay, when when you when you saw this exchange happening, what were your initial thoughts?
2: Um, so I was just so proud by by Martin's leadership. Um, I I don't know her directly, but I know people that have worked with her and, and just have the most amazing things to say about it. But honestly, I get so frustrated from just being a, a Northeastern and someone from Jersey who has a big mouth. I get so frustrated when people just don't say it how it is. And Alex knows this, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so, Stand up for what you believe in and stand up for the work that people work so hard to do or, or ideate and put effort and time into doing. And there is absolutely nothing wrong if it takes m- multiple sources of brain power to come up with something. And like, let's all be honest, it's not the most innovative idea ever. It's the one that had the most kahunas, right? It had it was the one that, like, took the biggest risk. And we saw that the year prior with Reddit. And mm-hmm. risk taking is what's going to win, right? And whether it lands right or lands wrong, um, risk taking is what's going to win. And it just was really frustrating to see someone take credit for something that may have needed to be spare, uh, spread more evenly. And and I think what the real thing that's under the hood here is the, the lack of respect that there is for agencies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Alex, what you're talking about in, in terms of like bad mouthing agencies, it's like actually we're invaluable to you from a multitude of fronts. Um, even more so today, with with the issues um, that we, we see across, um, the talent you know reassessment, as some people like to call it. <laughs> um, so so yeah, I think it's unearthing a, a bigger, really really important conversation. So I'm stoked to be here and, and kind of talk about it more because I, I get to see it on different sides.
0: And I'm sure you do. And uh, I, I I I I would re I would be remiss if I didn't um, just kind of mention one a part of that tweet thread that uh, he unleashed, <clears> where I think it was 11 or 12 um, kind of components to that uh, thread, right? And I think yep. it was in the 11th or 12th we, where he said, oh, and like my my team tells me that we had an agency um, that's part of this process. And he kind of tried to hide behind this and say that, you know, I just didn't even notice because we were, we were all one team. Um, and I think he was alluding to the fact that, and Lindsay, you brought this in our kind of, Pre uh, pre recording prep. There there there's a constellation. Of uh, agencies working with that brand, uh, just like there are with um, you, know, you know with many other bigger bigger companies, right? It's not usually one agency; it's it's many. And they have different sets of expertise, and so to pull something like this off wasn't just a creative idea. You know, there was there, uh, it was also the the buying and the execution the measurement of that. Um, so to not acknowledge the uh, the participation of your partners, your agency partners, and to actually publicly throw them under the bus, I think was uh, just speaks volumes.
2: Yeah, and then what he said, too, about, like, no agency could do this.
3: Hmm, yeah.
2: I've seen a lot riskier pitches been thrown out there from both a creative and media standpoint, and the clients aren't willing to take a risk. So, um, you know, I just think touche, and and now he's, you know, obviously doing he a little, what, Monday on morning face. quarterback is the term?
1: <laughs> Revisionist history. Yeah. Uh, I think there so were, there were also two.
2: Great one thing, Alex, one thing that's really great in that exchange is Geico um, to to Martin comes in and says, you have been a fantastic partner, equal relationship, back and forth. You're always challenging us. And they have a beautiful exchange, you know, so, oh, so awesome. it's great to see that, that Martin's able to, to carry the torch and, and ride the high road.
1: I think I think that's a really good thing that we, we're going to come on to is like the, the the way that different brands and different clients... I think different individuals at you know, all levels see their agency relationship. And I think the, that exchange between those two brands really highlight the two different types of of ways that people view, um, view agencies. Um, I think, you know what, I'm going to just go straight into this discussion point then, because it's like, we talked about this with with Jan from H H&M and a couple of weeks ago. It's how how do clients value agencies and you and Lindsay? You brought this you brought this up, and like how do they respect them? Like there's good clients and there's bad clients, um, and it's like the good clients see the value that the agencies bring, and then the and the bad clients see the costs that the agencies come with. So. I'd love to just see like the contrast between Geico and and Coinbase and how they reacted publicly to this. Um, is that what you've seen a lot on your on both sides, the creative side and the media side?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So on the creative side, the intellectual property bit is a little bit more sensitive, right? Than necessarily an overarching media strategy and then be able to execute on it. Um, So I have seen opportunities where you know an RFP has come through and we're in negotiation through some initial contracts like the NDA stage and they've literally said anything that you put in front of us through the remainder of this review and opportunity, whether it's two weeks, six months, is going to be ours to own. And when you're a creative agency, that's energy, hard work and IP that you probably would not want to expose and simply hand over for free. But depending on what you are and your history of the agency and where you stand in a hierarchy and what you're championing as for 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 brands in your portfolio, that's sometimes some a hard decision that people have to to make. In that in that circumstance, um, we declined to participate until they updated their terms. Um, but Alex, you know this first and foremost. Like qualification of an opportunity before accepting it for an agency and the people. And, and the business is the utmost important thing, and it's the first thing overlooked because people get so excited about um, the opportunity, whether it's the brand, whether it's the culture that the brand stands for, um, whether it's the dollars behind it and what they yeah. see from a financial opportunity. Um, and so, When I'm looking at one, I I very much have the mindset of, are these good people that are going to appreciate our people? Is this going to be a healthy, fulfilling relationship? Um, And is this something we wanna be in the trenches with them? And do we we align on so many things that it's just buzzing? And um, our most successful relationships to date have started with that. And when I ask, why did we win? They go, it was your first impression. It was when we had those really honest transparent conversations right in the beginning that then stayed true and you kept delivering throughout um and always about the people right i mean that's what you want an agency to do is to inspire you to be the breath of fresh air in your day to make everything easier um and to make your your media your creative and all of those things inspire and and ignite the business and um it's often overlooked.
0: Lindsay, this is really I think a crucial point because at, at the end of the day, uh, an agency is its people. Um, and regardless of whether we're talking about creative or, or media, um, it's the people who are who are going to be coming up with the ideas. How do you um, how do you determine what you just said? How do you determine that in that courtship process, you know, not just the quality of your of the individuals on the other side, but whether or not there will be the understanding and the chemistry um to to be successful in that partnership what are some of the tips you would you would kind of throw out there
2: yeah um well client reputation can't be overlooked Mm -hmm. right so you really have to think about the individuals that you're meeting with so one of the first things i ask whether i'm meeting with procurement whether i'm meeting with consultants or the clients direct no, no matter who is you know who are the stakeholders involved and what does the decision-making process look like on your side mm-hmm. and i like to do this through a quick 30-minute call and it's really nice with um some of the silver lining of of covet is that we do them with video right so i can see how someone reacts and i can kind of quickly read that they're gonna go oh we're fairly complicated and we've got some multiple stakeholders with different agendas and all of that <laughs> you know and and if i'm seeing an opportunity for integration and or an opportunity that I think we can help solve, then I'll be really open and transparent about it. But if I'm noticing underlining things that, that, well, this is just the process that we have to do. And, and you know, the pricing exercise will come first and then we'll tell you more. Hmm. The, more the more closed lip um, an opportunity is from their side, the less interested I'm in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The more they give me, then the more I can give them, and then it becomes a healthy, a healthy two-way relationship. And I think a lot of the clients that you've seen us win and and have retained and grow pretty significantly have been the ones that have been the most open and honest with the things that are keeping them up at night and the things that just are working and not working. Show your cards.
1: I mean, I think that I think that's one thing that um, agencies need from clients is that it's a it's a discussion you can't have a um a gate through like a procurement or through an intermediary that sort of guards everything because then you don't get to have a discussion you don't get to uncover like what it is the the people who are actually going to run the business and make the decisions are thinking And if you don't get that you're you're flying blind you're putting something up that um you think is going to be right but you really have no idea and i think we've discussed it before it's like you need to put as much effort into the pitch as, maybe not as the agency, but you're gonna meet them halfway by telling them what you really think, telling them what you really want to do. Like this this idea that by not giving them information, having them come up with the same idea that you in your mind think is the right way to do it, to like prove that they are worthy or they're, they're in the same headspace as you is, is really weird. Because if you don't tell them what you want to achieve, how are they going to get gassed and be like, we think you should do this. And they're like, yeah. you got it. You win.
2: Well, relate that, Alex, to like working with a realtor and looking for a home. Yeah.
3: You
2: have to <laughs> yeah. tell them how many bedrooms and, you know, what state you want to look in. Yeah, And, you know, what your budget is and why you're looking to make the shift and what your family plans are and your realtor that needs to be open and honest with you, Hank, hey, you really can't afford that. And this is what I think you should be looking at because you told me all of that. But when you when you don't give any of that information and you're not really sharing it and there is no two-way dialogue, you're you you're not gonna be happy with the inventory and what you see.
1: That's such a good point. That is such a good point. And such a good way to think about it. Like you need to tell them, they're like, you know what, I wanna buy a house, but you gotta guess what house, therefore you're gonna earn that commission. You're <laughs> gonna guess. You Guess how many bathrooms and bathrooms, and what I want to do. How big the kitchen should be. Whether it's open yeah. plan or not.
3: Yeah. Rural, rural, <laughs> urban, waterfront, and the well, mountaintops.
0: I think I think I'm I'm thinking more about like the car dealership where you, when you know many people walk in there they feel like they're going to get fleeced right out of the gate, mm. right? So they're mm-hmm. super like tight lipped about what it is that they're looking for because they they just don't want to be upsold immediately. And I feel yeah. like sometimes clients approach agencies with a similar mindset that you know, like all they're seeing is cost, cost, cost. Um, yeah. And uh, and it's a barrier. But uh, Lindsay, assuming uh, assuming you you qualify them, that you know they, it feels like they're on the same page. <laughs> um, you know that that th- things are jiving. Um, you know. We get into the pitch process, uh, and this is sort of like maybe the next question here, but we we get into the process of generating ideas as an agency to share with these clients. And sometimes these might be just PowerPoint decks. Um, and the, sort of the opportunity cost there is you spend some hours, you know, pulling people from your team together to come up with ideas and then presenting it to a client. In other instances, and I've been, pre, uh, you know, I, I, I have, uh, you know, front row seats to this, um, Agencies could spend uh, six or seven digits on a pitch, especially on the creative side. If it's a big brand, you know, if a Disney is pitching, mm-hmm. or is that you know, is pitching their business, or you know, uh, another big um, uh, uh, big advertiser when they're putting the whole business up for a, uh, for a pitch. How how do you hedge that? Like, how do you um, go into that sort of a process where there might be a significant cost, both in terms of time. And financial commitment like how do you build that trust up so that like knowing that you might actually not come out of it on the winning side but you don't feel like you've you've been swindled you've wasted all of this in vain
2: yeah well um, one of the great things I've learned is that even if you're in an opportunity where you're not sure it's going to be a slam dunk um, use it as a learning lesson and use it to then one train people up and take them along for the ride right because it's very much like boot camp um, and then being able to leverage that work. So, is there a part of your story? Is there a certain product set that you're trying to navigate and rework? So, so using using it from that aspect. Mm-hmm. But I've been in the situations where those costs occur, and the 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 business has not been fully won. And a lot of times, when it's that large, you know, multiple people then end up getting it. Um, and those large ones are not always the right ones to to win either, right? Because. Right. There's, there's consequences by winning something that's is substantial, right, on, on the um, profitability side, resource side, um, exclusivity across other, other um, clients, wh- whatever it may be. But um, the thing that needs to be, one, you budget for it. Like you do try and have some kind of budget of what it's going to look like. Um, and then what happens on the creative side is a lot of times you're eating your own costs. So you're using an in-house production company, an in-house producer. And you're trying not to outsource everything, but you have to have skin in the game to be able to do it. But you can't. It, different do people you, have different power. Do you
0: do you, do you go <laughs> all? Resources. Do you do you think going all in, uh, in terms of um, giving the teams the freedom to really share their best thinking, is the right um, is the right approach? Or you know, in the case of what we saw with Coinbase and the Martin agency, you know. Is there a hedge that you want that you should be building and about leaving something behind the curtain so that you whet their appetite, uh whet the brand's appetite, but uh, don't expose don't show all your cards you know show them that you are capable of thinking this without giving them the ideas because i feel and alex and i have been in these situations before i'm sure as well clients expect a full-blown solution oftentimes uh in in the pitch process that they can just walk away with if they decide Mm -hmm. to if they're bad players and turn around and give it to an incumbent do it in-house or give it to a competing agency so how do you hedge for that
2: i've actually seen it done by consultants as well literally lifting staffing plans and pricing documents. Wow. Um, so so it's, it's not just um, things that the others are guilty of in that regard. Um, so it really all comes down to si- it's situation by situation. The Martin situation is very different than necessarily if you were going to be pitching Disney from a creative standpoint, right? If you're pitching Disney from a creative standpoint, you're going – all in on all things and you're dialing up because you know the competition set is very small and you know everybody's going in. The issue that we've seen with the last year and a half um, with Pitchapalooza is probably some, some organizations, you know, maybe going after too much mm-hmm. or going after too little. So the hedging your bet thing is really, really interesting. but You need to understand Do I have a strong right to win? Do I have what the clients need today? Is this making sense? Does this seem like a healthy relationship? Are they giving me all the right signs? You know, like you can feel it each step of the way um, in that regard. And also understanding your competitive set too, right? Because everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. In the Martin circumstance, um, I I would hope that they get credit for any IP that they're showing in, in these, this, cause it's a much smaller pitch engagement. Right. Um, and I think it's probably just a project if I'm not correct. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I would go, go all in and go big. I mean, that's the hard part about creative, creative. It's so subjective. Um, and in a situation like this, the creative agency does, does often and can get burned.
1: I think, I think there's one thing that you instilled in, in, our agency when we worked there was say no more, like say no to them more so that when you do say yes, you can go all in. I think where a lot of agencies see, you know, I think you said there's like brand names or potential revenue that are like, yes, yes, yes. Then you have like 18 different RFPs and you end up doing, you know, a lot of copy paste uh, to make sure that all of the deadlines get hit. Um, you don't put your full thinking into it because you're just like let's just get to the next stage and then we'll address it then let's just get to the next stage um, so if you say no no more you do less work you can do better work and then the agency folks who have to do all of the work trust you more when you bring an opportunity to them that's like all right we're going all well on this one because we qualified it well we've said no to five other things so we can focus on this one uh, we can put in our best effort like On the media side it's much easier because like you said creative is a lot of strategy and creative once you once you've delivered that that's basically what they're trying to trying to get to and you can hand that to a production agency and get it made whereas media is a little bit easier to retain um a lot of the specialism because it's the people who are executing it it's the um the way that they're analyzing the data It's the way that they're setting up the the bid strategies so it's it's really tricky across both of those, but I think being able to limit your exposure and be able to push more when you say yes, that's where you end up winning more. And I think, Lindsay, that's where you ended up, that's where you ended up winning more.
2: Yeah, no, completely. And a lot of times I've walked into organizations where they're like, it's just a numbers game. <laughs> like, no, no, it's not just a numbers game. It's a numbers yeah. game if you treat it like that, because then you're really going to have like none, none. You know, like, yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just like, whatever. It's not a numbers game. It's about establishing integrity and um, a sense of authority based on the experience and capabilities that you're bringing and establishing that up right up front. And the clients that I turn down when, when they do pursue and say, hey, can, can we work with you are often the ones that come back and say, hey, how can I work with you? Because I said no, they often respect me more. And respect my word more, and so um, I think that's something missing. And there's just like everybody's just eager to win, rather than you know winning the right thing that's right for the business and right for the people and the culture.
0: Let uh, Let me ask uh, the question from maybe the brand standpoint, then, um, mm. because we've been uh, talking about the agency side, but um, and I'll and I'll ask the question through maybe a quick uh, personal story. Um, I uh, I was not many years ago involved in a, in a pretty big pitch. Um, in in a a different holding company and i distinctly remember and the ceo of the agency that um was leading the pitch was in uh was was um was present in the room so we pitched what we pitched um and it was well received and i remember walking out with the entire pitch team and the ceo turns to his team and says can we really do the thing that we like one of the things that we presented um and whoever was presenting that thing said oh no it's just uh, you know it's, it's basically vaporware you know he, it was um, <laughs> it, it was uh, some front uh, that was basically running on some excel spreadsheet um and I, re- I i remember feeling like this you know i felt dirty hearing that because uh you know it, it's just like we lied you know like the, the, the page group essentially lied about its capabilities to to this brand and uh you know the the agency ended up winning this business and uh you know, I, th- I think that this happens a lot, um, or at least it happens more often than we'd like to think, right? There are bad players on the agency side as well. And brands know this because yeah. people move from one side to the other. And just like I am sharing this story, being on the brand side myself now, I have this level of skepticism. How, um, how would you advise brands to speak to agencies in this matchmaking process to make it feel like they're not being taken for a ride? either, because they might be pitching, they might be putting up their pitch for the, or business for pitch for the first time, or the people working in that brand. Agencies do this all the time, right? So they have a lot of very sweet talking, fast talking, fancy people who all they do is pitch, 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 and pitch, right? And then um, and, and then what ends up happening is maybe not what they, ex- uh, ex- what they bought or expected. So how would you advise brands to think about this process?
2: Um, ask more questions post more conversations. Mm-hmm. So what are you trying to achieve from this review is something I like to ask, right? It's such such a basic question. but like depending on the background and the context of the client of what they're coming from and why they're in that review, it's incredibly important. Well, historically we've been siloed and we're looking for an opportunity to, to use this to help you know be the genesis of our integration on our side honestly we're feeling like we don't have enough strategy and the ideas are feeling flattened we need someone to come in and inspire this next generation of what we want to stand for as a brand mm-hmm. or you know really i just need someone to press some buttons and push the media out because we are freaking fantastic and we know what we're doing we know our audience we know how we need to play it and we really just need some some execution help and ad ops so it really you need to get down to why are they there to begin with and not like the baloney reason is like, you know, it's just becoming they're just yes people on the agency side and I, you know, I need to see more and the relationship's stale. Like go down a level a level or two and see. Because then, Gorsha, I might have not then had something that was vaporware. Like one, the idea is to sell, not solve, right? You're, you're in this wooing stage. So I, I get where the agency is coming from. But the same point is like, where were you as a brand needing to be? Mm-hmm. So your brief could be, listen, we need real solutions that we can start activating like next month or whenever we need to fully, you know, start onboarding. Or we want you guys to kind of shoot for the moon and think big and broad because that's the challenge that we need to see. And, you know, that's what I would want to then see. Um, so... I fundamentally think you need to really get down to like the whys more and those are just questions that I've historically I've seen a lot of agencies just be really shy to do for fear they might like upset somebody or no like you ask somebody hey are we dating like you know did you go to jail did you know like like you know like do you, do you know like what, what's your background like tell me about your family you know you don't just go oh hey you know you're six foot two and single let's do it <laughs>
0: Let's jump right in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I think there's one on the, the like it's just being very direct, but not in an aggressive way. You can be like, oh, you, no. and you can just say, "Hey, I don't want any like vaporware. Just don't come to me with anything that's like half baked that makes it look good. Show me, show me really what it is and how it really works and how it can actually solve the problem that I'm trying to solve. Because this is my problem. Show me how you're gonna like." how you can think about fixing this and not, you know, and, and I feel like it's just being very direct and being very honest and open with, with people that gives you, it gives you the license to say you, you bullshitted me, you know, you told me this and now, you know, now it's not true.
2: What I love to do is I'm like, so this looks like pretty and like, you know, it, it looks like slideware, vaporware, whatever you may call it, but let's do a demo. Let's get live, send us some data. It can be a not what however you want to share it. Let's whatever we need to do, let's do a live demo and put put, put proof to put proof to it and, and show it in action. And I've been at the forefront or behind the scenes of things that weren't fully baked yet. But it was such a cool frickin' innovative idea. You know, we needed an excuse to one win a piece of business so then we can operationalize it and execute on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it it's here or there
0: yeah i feel i feel like most brands um would want to volunteer themselves to be guinea pigs or a lot of brands for ideas but i think you have just to be very transparent and upfront about this we want to try new cool things please bring this to yeah. us and then the agency will feel empowered to come and say look we've been tinkering around with something like this you know let's show like this is a proof of concept no more no less if you guys choose to work with us we'll uh, we're excited to get this built for you
2: yeah for sure rather than saying it's already up and running and whatever it means. and it's not yeah i think on that front though um in terms of like the vaporware thing we really need to talk about teams and people because mm. people are what make a lot mm-hmm. of this happen mm-hmm. and the fact that companies are asking for staffing plans a year out before they're going to onboard this business And they want to see names and bios of teams of 70 plus. Like, that's just silly. Agencies have people working. They don't just have people sitting on the side. Um, And so I think there needs to be a reality check when it comes to the actual uh, team casting. Um, And so so
0: what advice would you give to brands who might be... you know who might be afraid that they're going to get an a team for the pitch and you know the you know the junior varsity for their ongoing business how would you recommend they approach the staffing conversation
2: well i mean what you see in almost every brief these days is we want to meet the team we're going to work with on a daily basis mm-hmm. but when that happens you don't win the business Historically what you're seeing is you're going to see people put their best and brightest because that's who wins the business. Like that's who they hire. You 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 want to you want to buy into that. What I would say is that there's certain leadership roles that they would want to meet. Like not the leadership necessarily at the senior senior level, but the leadership at certain like mid-tier level, like a group account director. Who's going to be in charge of my you know, data and analytics strategy? Who's going to be my, my, my creative strategist? What does that art director and copywriter team look like? Do, how do you guys go about rotating your staff? Mm-hmm. Like, There's some key roles that are pivotal into that culture and understanding how much allocation you're going to get and FaceTime or influence is important. But to see the entire team and to pull it out like that makes no sense. Um, And I also think that clients need to be more bullish in terms of, one, um, remuneration, um, earmarking certain individuals, and then also having certain benchmarks in place when it comes to allocation um, and understanding what they can get and what's the benefit of them. So having a fully dedicated staff is not always beneficial, right? You sometimes may want to have, you know, several individuals on your team that are also working on other clients that are like-minded, similar verticals, whatever that may be, that's experience that they can then apply. So it needs to be, needs to be a harmonization of a lot of those things, but I, I don't think that there's enough conversations throughout the pitch process of honest dialogue that happen.
0: I'd love to uh, touch on pricing a little bit later on. Um, I have one. I have one um, kind of final question on the from like the uh, the client advocacy standpoint. But yeah. if you are like take Coinbase for example, um, a startup by all accounts just a few years ago hitting big time with all the crypto craziness going on now. Um, a lot of the thinking that I think these types of companies come into the pitch process with is very scrappy kind of internal focus. We're going to hack our way through this. Um, I've, I've I've been in a startup myself. I know that the the idea that somehow marketing, especially digital marketing, is still an area where you can hack things together and sort of cheat the system prevails. Um, and then they bump against mature, established, thoughtful, strategic marketing agencies, wh- whether it's the Martin Agency or, you know, Ogilvy or iProspect or whoever, right? Like these agencies come in with uh, systems and processes that are fit for a big client. Um, and there's a reason why things are done in a certain way. And I understand it really well. How, what advice would you give to the CEO or the CMO of one of these fast rising startups that may have hit the inflection point where they need to think about bringing a big agency in, but they just haven't had the experience of working with one before? What is different with that type of agency versus maybe a partner that they work with purely on an activation standpoint in their early days
2: so it's several things so my first thought is when these agencies even if you are coinbase or even if you are a startup scrappy is going to win the game at the end of the day in this this current environment it's not about outpaying and outspending. It's about outsmarting. Right. And so I think a lot of people taking this this ownership of the IP and who came up with the the idea off the table. Coinbase was kind of the winner of Super Bowl. We're talking about it two weeks later based upon subsequent conversations. but. It did rank number two in the App Store when it was like 100 and something the, the day before, right? And so it made people go, what the hell's this? It was a nice throwback to old technology as they are a new innovative and, and technological player. So I would tell a CEO to keep hacking, keep going at that. But if you're trying to scale your operations, right, and that's what you need to then do, then you need to then have a scalable infrastructure behind it. So are you trying to build that internally on your side? Like also don't forget like how much goes into trafficking an ad no matter where it's going to be on your your TV screen at home via you know linear or or streaming or is it going to be in your TikTok feed. So the the operations between on the ad, ad front, uh, ad serving front is pretty significant on top of the data management side of things, right? And so that's what I think people have to then consider is like, where am I at in the maturity level and what does my business fundamentally need to do? So they're, you know, they're with Wavemaker and that's where they get their scale from, from a media side of things and, and a lot of, you know, they're buying a negotiation power and um, I'm friends with the head of investment there and he's crushing it but then you know they can then go do something wild and crazy at the little hack you know like like that and i think you're going to see a ton of more opportunities and and things that are headed our way that are going to be like that um, that we're already seeing experiments happen within metaverse and seeing it on a stage like this with Super Bowl was really fun.
1: I think you I think you really captured that um, the the what do you want to achieve from this? gives you the direction of where you need to be talking and who you need to be talking to. Because if you want to scale, you need the people who have done it before, because you're not going to scale with an in-house team that's just hacking together, you know, AB testing, Facebook ads, if you really want to be buying in addressable TV, as well as programmatic outdoors through you know geo footprint on mobile connection as well. So like it's all, you know, if you want to be doing social ads and buying biddable media, sure, anyone can, yeah, you can do that, no problem. Yeah. Um, I would
2: tell the CEOs to start building their infrastructure of how they would build an omnichannel program, right? And then being <laughs> able to have someone facilitate or multiple people facilitate it. But that's the problem is people are relying on so many different partners, whether it's the likes of Salesforce, Adobe, and them owning the, the agencies, owning the contracts or db 3 whatever it may be. Um, so to become more independent. And so if you're at that stage right now, trying to build it yourself and then have someone influence the direction of it. So kind of like, you know, take out what you, what your lot is, what is your house going to look like, right? Hire a great mm-hmm. architect to help you build it. And then interior designers and everything else, a painter, like everyone's going to come in and then, and then, you know, make it the vision you had on your Pinterest board.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have a Pinterest board though, make sure that, you know, what you want to achieve
2: so yeah, that people that can
1: rally around it.
3: Achieve. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think yeah, I think it's it was I, just on two of the tweets that he um, that he put out made me wonder why they were working trying to get another really high profile agency. One of them was they said they had a hundred k production budget. Um, if you have a hundred k production budget, why are you speaking to the Martin agency to try and make a Super Bowl ad? It seemed like a, a real dissonance between reality and. And what you wanted, and like the dream, because 100k production budget, that's going to get eaten in fees in you know a couple weeks. And, and then the also, other one. And
0: also, why do you have a hundred thousand dollar production budget when you dropped six point five million dollars on a Super Bowl ad, 60-second <laughs> yeah. spot? Thirty second yeah. spot, I think, was six point five million, right? Or is it six? It was million?
1: it was the most expensive Super Bowl ad space, I think. Uh, and then the second one was based on their account. They had. Um, the inability to come up with an idea left them with no time to make something good. They had a few weeks in uh, in production time, um, which sounds horrific. You know, we've made ads before. They take you know weeks and months to make a really good ad. You need the time to shoot. If you don't shoot, you need time to animate, post production, sound, everything. Trafficking trafficking takes time. Um, so, like a low production budget with no time left. I don't know why they were working, trying to work with uh, the modern agency in the first place. If they already had existing people, and they had this space that they didn't, they didn't know what to do with. But maybe he's trying to make himself out to be a hero uh, with some revisionist history.
2: And it might come down to the way they're organized, right? Sometimes that senior leadership has no idea on what's actually happening, right? I've seen plenty of CEM- CMOs that have really have no idea who they just hired as media AOR
3: <laughs> or creative AOR.
2: Like you're CMO, like. Yeah. But but sometimes different organizations are like that. So the, so that could be the case as well. Um, but no matter what the spend is, like there's obviously an opportunity to shine and be creative. But credit is due where it's due, and yeah. Um, you know,
0: props to Martin and for calling it out. Still, props. Speak, uh, speak to us a little bit about the fees, because I think that uh, that, that goes on set quite a bit. But um, yeah. talent is not cheap. There is a lot of competition for talent from entities outside of the agency world, uh, the TikToks, the Googles, et cetera. right? Like, that's well known. Um, and yet, met, you mentioned before, often with procurement uh, coming in at the beginning of the conversation even sometimes, um, this becomes um, it becomes almost impossible to negotiate a sustainable, um, f- you know, financial model, situation, retainer, what, what have you. Yeah. Um, what's the tension there? Like, what is the tension that that has led us to this to this point where you know a brand is willing to spend? You know, we we'll keep hammering on Coinbase because everything's just been so public about this, but like they're willing to to drop so much money on you know this vanity Super Bowl ad. And at the same time, have such a, such low production budget out of which comes out an agency fee. And like, this is an example of what I think happens a lot. So like, how do we think about this? What is the tension? Why, why can't we have a normal remuneration experience for agencies working with big clients?
2: I would love to see it. I think the model fundamentally needs to shift. We need to stop thinking about FTE. I mean, I've, we've, we've all read the books and seen the articles <laughs> and the white papers on that. why this needs to shift. And we just, we haven't done it yet. Um, but we're, we're trying to make everything apples to apples when that's not the case. We're dealing with a whole bunch of different fruits and vegetables and, and everything's very different. Um, and you need to be paying not just on an hourly FTE rate. I would also then consider what does that agency's experience look like? What does the client roster look like? What have they previously worked on? What, you know, what value is that then bringing you also what you notice is when you go to independent shops outside of Holco shops, both have different pros and cons is the independent shops can say, yes, we can be more affordable when it comes to XYZ and we can be more flexible, but then they then don't have the resources, not necessarily from a manpower or, or people power standpoint, but from a lot of the technology tools, research tools, um, different offerings, platform access, all of that kind of stuff that that a Holco may, may have. So, I think you have to understand those dynamics um it's also not about who can get you the cheapest cpm and the people that are going to think that way are going to quickly be losing out significantly over these smaller players that are playing in this d2c world which you're now seeing right a lot of significant cpg a lot of really really big retail is like what the hell is happening i need to freaking re-look at how I do everything commerce um, re-look at my entire wholesale strategy what does my in-store strategy look like like going back to buying a car Gorsha screw it don't go get fucking Carvana yeah. <laughs> right like I had the best experience with Carvana in, in them buying a car from me and then I told um, the dealer used a, a, not a used car dealer but a, a dealership I said this is what I can get but I don't, I, I want you to match that price, but then I also want you to deliver the vehicle to me. <laughs> um, mostly cause I didn't have a car at the time. And, and they did, they did it. And now I will 100% go back to him. And we did it all through text message. I barely even had a conversation with the guy. I just told him exactly what I wanted, what I knew I could get for it at a different dealership and they answered me. But I knew they had the product I wanted, right? All of these people are not looking at things as, they're looking at things apples to apples, but it's not always. Mm-hmm. And so I think the thing too is that on the brand side, things are getting more expensive. And so they're trying to cut costs and do things cheaper and cheaper. And now it's coming at a fundamental sacrifice to the work you're seeing. Mm-hmm. But by investing in people that are gonna utilize your media and spend it right to drive your business, that's where you need to buckle up some cash. If it's on the creative front and depending on what you want to do, you might want to have a handful of smaller, more innovative, like fun agencies that can kind of throw wild ideas at you on a project basis and then take it from there, right? Instead of like, if you are Geico, yeah, you want a big awesome media AOR because you're doing these big legacy spots and you need to have – have. Um, you know your 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 brand out in the market with a whole bunch of different iterations. Does that make sense? But a lot of those creative shops are still stuck in the 15, the 30 and 60 second spot worlds when they need to be in the 150,000 different iterations of what it's going to look like on TikTok, Snapchat, um, within search, within high impact display, whatever it may be. Mobile. I mean, now we're not even talking about web web, web three. So. That's how I kind of would look at it, but I hear you, Gosha. <laughs> <laughs> we're
0: gonna have. I um, hate the
2: agencies that just slash the rates. Those are the ones that kill me. Yeah. You can also ask. You can also ask your agency. Would you be comfortable sharing profit margin information, which people have done?
1: It's it's such a strange one because you know at the beginning of the process you asked for the budget and I had a, I got a really snarky email back once and they were like i'm not telling you the budget because then you'll just make whatever it is you're about to sell me that cost that thing and you know i don't i want you to tell me what you think we should be spending And i'm like i i was like i don't want to respond to this but i did and i was like the reason i'm asking you for the budget is so i can understand like where you at how much you've got to spend and where we can spend it if you have a million bucks we could do all of these different things and all these different channels if you have ten thousand we wouldn't recommend any of that, and we wasted your time and waste of our time. So I'm not yeah. asking you so I can, like, fill up the bucket with all of the fruits and vegetables. I'm asking you so we can pick what kind of fruit and vegetables we should be showing you based on what you can afford. And yeah. I just felt, well, one, was very disrespectful, and he didn't reply to me, which was weird. That's
2: fine. Um, you don't need it, really. <laughs> But But then also, like... A lot of times when we ask for budget it's to really understand like what yes as you said what liberties we can take with allocation but also like the way we were structured at i prospect is very different than other agencies and how they're structured so if you want a specialist team that you have people that are born and bred in search born and bred in social and these are true specialists in, in various channels. It costs money to to have those different individuals and all of that infrastructure and what it sits in, the ad ops as we were talking about, the mm-hmm. investment in data tools and technology to, to understand and measure and analyze and, and then on top of that audiences, like right and, and host that all in a safe environment costs money. Yeah. And and even yeah. the financial side of it, the financial ops part of it, like that costs money. So the more scale you have, the more you have to be willing to pay for those things. Um but unfortunately, what you're seeing is, is the smaller clients are going to have to pay bigger dollars, and the big clients are getting the significant discounts.
0: My, uh, my absolute favorite by favorite, I obviously mean like I hate this, and uh, we, we, <laughs> Alex, Alex, you and I experienced this from multiple um, brands, including some that were just like completely slipping into irrelevance, is when they come in hot and heavy and like, we have $40 million in our <sighs> budget to spend and like they just you know they dangle that carrot and then at the end of the whole process they're like all right let's do a ten thousand dollar test and then you're like jesus christ like these are completely different like this is not even like we're not even the same ballpark we're playing different sports here it
3: was yeah yeah, but
0: but that happens
2: that happens i mean i would say who's your boss why didn't you qualify them um (laughs) just teasing Um, but you know, like there's times depending on which agency we were, we were supporting and and repping, there was times where we would take a test and there's times where like, hell no, I've got too many freaking opportunities that I need to look at and I need to hedge my bets. I'm not going to hedge somebody who's not confident in what we can deliver, um, on something like that. So it is what it is.
1: Um, all right. So do you think, uh, so we're seeing this trend of in-housing right now, um, as we're talking a lot about agencies and, and the pros and cons of agencies, and some some brands and some clients have gone, you know what? I'm just going to bring it all in house. I don't want to run a pitch. I want to build out this team in house. Um, where do you where do you what are your thoughts on on in housing teams and how they can benefit or hinder a client?
2: So I think organizations, well, well, it's always happening, right? Like a cup yeah. several years ago, it was like in-housing, and then like everybody did it, Nike's doing it, like Danone's doing it, like everybody's doing it, right? And then they come back, and they're like, wait a second, we thought we could do this, but just <laughs> kidding. Hey, we Intel. Realized, we hey, realized Intel. it's hard. <laughs> Um, I think you need to figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are, right? So like, this is what my people are really freaking good at. I'm keeping them happy, I'm keeping them um, fulfilled and, 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 and they're adding significant value to the business, but here's where I've got my gaps. And I've gotta map out the cost and energy level to one, build it, but then two, how am I gonna maintain it and keep on improving it? And that's the thing is, just cause you're in-housing something doesn't mean, oh, it's here, we're done. Mm-hmm. You gotta keep on improving it because our space is even more fragmented than it was yesterday. I mean every day it's just wild, right There's too much shit to keep up with. there just is, and you're not gonna have eighteen people all of a sudden be well equipped to handle and navigate the metaverse you're just It's just not gonna happen, right. Um, so I think you need to hedge your bets on what you can fundamentally do and where it makes the most sense for your short-term and long-term plans. And then source and figure out, is working with an agency for these for this remit makes sense? Does it make sense that I work with a consultancy or somebody who's doing an amazing job with it and it's kind of cracked a new model is a, a company called Oliver based out of the UK. Um, They haven't really made a splash here yet in the U.S., but I'm eager to see that happen since I know of how many conversations we're having on this exact topic. Um, Or do, you know, I completely hire a recruitment firm to help me build something internally on my side. So there's all these different levers that you can pull, and you need to kind of figure out what you're going to do for your own house to keep it, you know, future-proof and ready for whatever it comes. So... I think the more you can own as a brand yourself and the more independent you can be with, you know, your, your consumer data, your sales data, merging those together, um, being able to have some of those pipes so you're not dependent on, you know, um, some of the, the large scale players. The, the more you can have independence, the better, but you have to do it in a responsible manner, not making sweeping statements because at the end of the day, P&G still has an agency
1: that they value and respect and <laughs> I, I, I love that how you how you framed it it's not it's not just good enough to build it you have to maintain it and I think that's where people forget it's like you, you, nurture.
3: Know, yeah, you going back to it. our
1: car and house metaphors you don't just buy a car and and then that's it you got to do regular maintenance you got to make sure that it's everything is is running smoothly you know you don't just buy a house you got to you know fix the pipes change the change the roof Re, you know repaint it every once in a while so yes, you got to keep putting the effort backsplash.
2: in you got to keep yeah. stay up to date absolutely you know what's cool, cool now happened. is not cool in
1: three years so yes. you got to keep updating it
2: and that's what happens and that's why you know particularly on the creative front why people love to be on an agency side versus brand side is because they get that diversity of working with different clients different business problems and and all of that um, and so there is something really special about that um, that, that can't be overlooked, um, particularly in today's world where, you know, us as as um, individuals and humans, we have a human universal need that aren't always being met. This agency relationship is not a need being met. Us as individuals, we're all looking for new jobs and trying new things right now because the world has shifted. And so I think you just need to be able to be agile in that manner and, and keep being better and better and striving for better, but making the progress to be as independent as possible would be the the long-term goal.
0: I I loved everything about this conversation. I feel like there is just so much human wisdom in what you've shared, Lindsay, and uh, I, you know, at the end of the day, we started with this and we're ending with this as well. You know, it's a a people-to-people sort of business. and you have to make, uh, you you have to keep that front and center. Um, I want to throw a wild card at you guys. I know we didn't kind of prepare for this, but um, because we are exposed to a lot of brands, we're exposed to a lot of ads. We live and breathe this thing. It's it's a it's um it's a, it's something that Alex and I usually do at the beginning of the show. But I do I do want to get a hot take from you. What are what are some of the ads you have thoughts about? Um, you know, what have you seen in the last last couple of weeks maybe that just sticks out that uh, you just thought was like, wow, that's awesome.
2: Um, so, uh, not to toot my own horn from my alma mater, um, uh, <laughs> Gary Bowen, La- Larry David spot, the dense McGarry Bowen, Larry David spot. I loved, um, now that was very far from a hundred K production budget, <laughs> but yeah. that has so many different, uh, iterations and just like, it, it made sense with the brand and the story they're telling, but it made sense with the casting too. Um, so, so that one I, I just love, and then they can have so many legs with it moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was for FTX, which is another, you know, mm-hmm. obviously in the crypto world, um, I'm really loving what old Navy is doing right now by, you know, crowdsourcing, copywriting from, from Reddit. So I love what they're doing. And then even a little bit, a while ago, um, it, I think it was their active wear campaign where they just had normal families and normal not being your typical nuclear, you know, husband, wife, son and daughter family, just jamming out to really good music. And they were like <laughs> dancing hard. I love that spot. It makes me feel good. And um, it stands true to, to who Old Navy is. So so really like that. Those So those are some. Um, and then I'm seeing a lot of like cars, cars, uh, auto on TikTok, which I find really, really fascinating as well. Um, so, uh, I like to see the creative that has a lot of legs. So when I can follow like sequential stories to like yeah. the whole like <laughs> Dr. Evil thing, like I'm, that's when that skewed and started following me on TikTok. So, um, I like the episodic stuff.
0: That's awesome. Alex, your, your um, hot take.
1: <clears throat> I saw one, a a, 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 30 minute CMO fan favorite, uh, savers <laughs> ad uh i didn't see the actual ad and i think this is testament to our social social sharing but it's a spec savers billboard uh or outdoor wall uh mounted billboard and they instead of mounting it in the traditional way they flipped it so it's vertical it's covering half of the billboard and covers half of a house and the ad says should have gone to spec savers i was like that is excellent message and placement compatibility which i thought was Wonderful.
3: That's awesome. I
1: did have a, I did have another ad, or at least an ad placement that I have a thought about. That I would like your thoughts on this ad. The uh, Applebee's uh, media buy uh, this week. Is it this week or last week? um i was on sunday maybe last week on cnn CNN, which i saw live and i this doesn't really happen especially i was watching youtube tv so i didn't think i was gonna see this live but i saw it live and i was and i laughed to myself and then eight minutes later it was on one of the meme sites and then an hour later it was everywhere and it just it blew up uh so yeah i'd love to have your thoughts on this ad and the placement and whether or not the uh, media agency is uh, still so
2: working. <laughs> you can negotiate. So I think the brand said it was unfortunate. Um, that was the terminology they used. But you can negotiate, especially on news, which news you're being seen in and affiliated with. So mm. this might just have been an unfortunate mishap behind the scenes. But it actually brings me to a bigger and interesting issue, which now we're seeing with the 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 rise of, or lack of, of linear and rise of streaming and, and connected devices is media agencies should have more um, ability to monitor the frequency mm-hmm. and flexibility of the ads. So just cause I'm selling to Peacock or I'm selling to um, Hulu or whatever it may be, I then need to monitor that frequency because I don't know about you guys, but I've seen Liberty Mutual so oh, many yeah. times. That it's so bad that, like, I won't even, like, no, Liberty. And uh, <laughs> no many how many times you wanna sing to me and, like, whatever, mm-hmm. like, it's just not gonna happen because whoever manages your frequency, whether it's on the streaming service front and it's their fault or on the media buying side, like, you've just turned me away because you've hit me so many times. Hulu
1: yeah. is the worst for that. They will show you the same ad maybe twice in an ad break and then for, like, four ad breaks after that. Yeah. And they've identified
2: I, you as the right ones they are just going to keep targeting you. And there's got to be a yeah. better way to manage the frequency.
1: And they, I think they had like a lack of inventory or a lack of uh, buying. So they were just like, have another one, have another one, You know what? added value, added value. And you're like, get off my screen. Leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, they that, need to...
0: is that how they add, um, upsell you to the ad free product, Alex? That, I, I, honestly, that
1: is, that must, that there must be something there. That could be a yeah. really
2: good strategy. <laughs> That could be a really good question. Yeah. Just, just, like just call to action.
0: Just call to action. Tired of this bullshit. Click here now.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would probably do it. Yeah,
0: you know, just spare yourself. Yeah. Even for a month. Um, those are all excellent ones. I'll, I'll share one with you guys and then we'll wrap up. But um, I've been a huge fan of B&H and they're real b h stories. I'm not sure if you've seen them. I've been getting them on uh, on YouTube. Oh, they're
2: going to, like, production stories of, like...
0: So they're, like, oh, th- this guy just he comes on, and he says, like, this is a real b story. And they talk about the... Th- so b is the... Um, video it's equipment.
3: Video equipment, right. Like, they're pretty right? regional,
0: yeah. right? Like, I mean, they sell nationally, but they're, I think, mostly in the New York area, like, thereabouts. And they have these...
2: Big in- media hubs.
0: Yeah, but they have these incredible... Um, uh commercials that they've shot for youtube specifically where um like they they bring one of their associates in, like this old jewish guy like you know he looks like a rabbi and he's sitting there he clearly doesn't want to be on camera he's like What do you want from me it's like can you tell us about the um, you know the the experience you had and he's like what with nasa and like yes you know like he tells about how nasa like reached out to bnh to buy like some cameras they needed for a telescope because they didn't have it you know and like so like they they tell (laughs) tell the story in the ad spot and then this guy then's like all right can i go now like it's just like it's so full (laughs) of like genuine like storytelling and humor it fits perfectly into like what i'm watching like i never skip these ads i love them they're so good and um, just kudos to BNH for uh, telling real human stories.
2: Oh, I love that. Oh, That's so great. I'm going to go check some of those out.
1: Yeah. yeah. Sounds great. Well, guys.
2: Now I'm going to go get a pastrami on rye. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, that sounds mm. also sounds
0: good. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much. This was a great discussion, Lindsay. Thank you for joining us. I know it's oh uh, it's late there. but thank really, you guys. We really enjoyed your perspective and having you on the show. And uh, hope that we can have you here again in some near future to talk more about the agency brand uh, relationship and how to make it better
3: yeah
2: awesome and you guys keep doing what you're doing this is amazing this podcast is amazing but then also what you're doing uh as your day jobs and with your families is tremendous so i wish you guys the best thank you thank you True gents